Missions Month. Um, it's wonderful to, it feels like there's a missions month every month of the year in churches in Adelaide, because you all pick different months. So July for City Reach, I've learned, but other churches have had them in May and June, so it's been good. But thanks, uh, particularly the elders and Luke, for the invite to come and share today. Um, and yeah, I think it's great as believers to not only just focus on our little patch and think, how's the gospel going forward in our immediate context, but to raise our eyes, and not even just to campus, but globally, to ponder how's the gospel going forward and going out to the nations. And I think when we capture that bigger picture global gospel perspective, it spurs us on in local mission. It gives us such a heart for the people we see and meet face to face. It's so heartening to hear actually of the church in Poland that you guys partner with on the other side of the world. I think that's just wonderful. So, praise God. There's a few nods. Poland's the right country. Yes, Carly's giving me the nod. (laughs) Um, But thank you for the opportunity to come and speak and to speak on gospel partnership. Um, Gospel partnership is something really close to my heart and something that in the last um, probably five years through my time in my ministry apprenticeship, Bible college, um, God's really grown my, I guess, just, just through seeing in his words, seeing the beauty of gospel partnership. Um, And just recognizing it's something I just didn't have eyes to see growing up. It was never talked about. We just didn't talk about gospel partnership in church context that I grew up in. Um, So wonderful we can open Philippians 1, a passage that speaks so clearly about it and just highlights the joy and overflowing thankfulness that comes when God's people work together, brothers and sisters in Christ, for the sake of God's glory. Um, Philippians 1 is a particularly great part of Scripture, and we'll slow down and spend time in it. And you know, you probably noticed some of the language around joy, the deep affection that Paul had for this church in Philippi, and the thanksgiving that overflows from that. Um, but can I say up front, it's not like this is the one proof text in the Bible on gospel partnership. Oh, we've got it here, therefore it's there. But it, as you read the Scriptures, and actually as you look at church history and see different movements of God throughout the time, God's people working together for the sake of God's glory just seems to be the way that he works in his world. He invites his people to participate. Uh, One of the passages I think we see this really clearly in the Old Testament is in the book called One Chronicles. Now, I've never met anyone who has told me that One Chronicles is their favorite part of the Bible. It's a bit of a dusty part of my Bible, I know. But if it is your favorite book, come let me know after. I'd love to hear that. But at the end of the book, in chapters 28 and 29, uh, we see this wonderful image of King David inviting God's people to provide for the work of building the temple, the temple that his son Solomon would build. Now, building the temple is no church building project, and I know you guys are very familiar with church building projects and what that involves. The temple was so much bigger. In the Old Testament, it was the place where God dwelt among his people. It's the place where God's people would go to worship the Lord, to have their sins forgiven, and even a place where the nations could come and pray. And in 1 Chronicles 28 and 29, I encourage you to read it later this afternoon, There's this beautiful image of the Lord stirring the hearts of his people to give generously, to participate as an act of worship uh, in what their Lord was doing. And we see actually in this passage, there's a great honor that God gives us, and it's by his grace that we do get to join. Um, Actually, at the end, as God's people give generously to this building project, David actually prays among the people. And I'll read this word, and I think it sets the tone really well for today as we think about gospel partnership. Listen to how David responds after the opportunity to be involved. He says this in verse 12 of 1 Chronicles 29. He says, Praise be to you, Lord, 
the God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Now, our God, we just give thanks and praise your glorious name. I just wanted to start with that reading today because it so helpfully sets the tone as we think about God's uh, gospel partnership, the idea of God's people participating in his work. It's not that God needs anything from us. He is all-powerful. He is all-sufficient on his own. He has the power, the glory, the majesty, and the splendor. He's the creator of all. Yet this powerful, all-sufficient God graciously invites us to participate in what he is doing. And I love how David's prayer just ends with thanks and praise to God for enabling us to do that. So as we start today, I might pray for us, and then we'll open up Philippians 1 and see what that word has to say to us today. Please join me. Gracious Father, we just pray today as we hear your word uh, that you would be honoured, that you would be given the glory because you alone are worthy of all praise. We thank you, Lord, again for the gift of your son, Jesus, uh, for all he has done for us in the gospel in bringing us from darkness to light, from death to life. And we thank you, Father, for the gift of your spirit in us today, We pray that you would warm our hearts to respond to you. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear. We pray this for Jesus' glory. Amen. Uh, So please keep your Bibles open today. We're just going to be working through Philippians 1, verses 1 to 11. And may I say, as you're reading along, if there are things that I say that you think, that's not what the Scriptures are saying here, side with the Scriptures. They're our authority, aren't they, in matters of faith as Christians. Now, Philippians 1, we find out in the first couple of verses, is a letter. Verse 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So can I say up front that Philippians, first and foremost, is a letter. It's not a book on gospel partnership, though it does touch on that theme. And it's not even just a book we have in our Bible, but it's a real letter from Paul and Timothy to a real church in Philippi. And don't you just love how Paul and Timothy begin this letter by describing themselves as servants, servants of Christ Jesus. And now if you're not familiar with Paul, he's one of the most significant leaders in the history of Christianity. He was the founder of this church in Philippi. He was the apostle who preached Christ all across the world. Actually, I learned this last night. I knew this, but it just didn't click. He wrote more books of the Bible than anyone else from a human perspective. Paul's an absolute superstar. If you're Gen Z, he's even bigger than Taylor Swift. He is huge, Paul. Yet when he makes his introduction, he reminds this church, it's not about us. It's not what we've done or who we are. It's about Jesus. We're just servants of Jesus. And they're writing this letter to everyday Christians, just like you and me, but in the church in Philippi. I love how Paul describes God's people 
as God's holy people in Christ Jesus. And isn't this a wonderful description of what it means to be a Christian? It's a bit jargony with Christian words, but if your faith is in Jesus today, you're one of God's holy people in Christ. You're someone who's been set apart for God, someone he has made pure for himself. And once again, this description of who we are as Christians, it's not about us and what we've done, it's about Jesus and what he has done for us in making us holy. And as we read Philippians today, it's worth keeping in mind that it is a real letter written to a real church that was facing real issues. Um, Philippi uh, is in uh, modern world is in eastern Greece today, so think modern Europe there. Um, you can go actually and see the ruins if you have the privilege of visiting, or if, like me, that's too far away and too expensive, hop on Wikipedia, you'll see a few beautiful pictures of what the ruins of Philippi look like. Um, but there's a few things to know about Philippi. Uh, it was named after King Philip II. I suspect most of us probably haven't heard of him, but I think you know his son. His son was a fellow called Alexander the Great. Yeah, a few nods there. Um, so, all that's to say is Philippi was a really historically significant city. But it only started to boom a few hundred years later under Roman rule. And in the first century, Philippi turned into a bit of a retirement town for Roman soldiers. Um, and no surprise, it's kind of a bit like Victor Harbour. It's by the coast. So, ancient world, modern world, when you go to retire, you want to be by the beach, it seems. Um, but it's important to know this, that it was a retirement town for Roman soldiers, because out of many of the towns and cities in the world of that day, it was incredibly loyal to Rome. You had Roman veterans, people who had served the empire their whole life, who were living off its benefits and peace, and they were loyal to their emperor. So if you were a believer, if you were a Christian in this town, inevitably you would be put in a situation or asked the question, who is your king? Who are you going to be loyal to? Is it Caesar? Or is it this guy you call Jesus who was crucified? When Paul um, actually plants the church, you can read about this in Acts 16, you'll see that there was great persecution in Philippi. He was beaten and thrown in prison without a trial. In 1 Thessalonians 2, when he reflects on this, he said, we had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi. Later in Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, he tells this church, it's been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. So all that's to say, as we read the book of Philippians, we need to have this context in mind. This, this letter is written to everyday Christians in a young church, but in a place where following Jesus was really tough, where there was active persecution and suffering that everyday Christians faced. And I love the thing that Paul wants to remind this church of up front. Verse 2, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He does this to most churches when he writes his letters, but I love that he wants to remind them of what they've received in the gospel. Grace from God and peace with him through his son. After this introduction, though, the first thing Paul goes into is what he thanks, he tells his church what he thanks God for them. In verse 3 he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. 
Why are Paul and Timothy so thankful? Why do they overflow with joy and thankfulness? Because of the Philippian church's partnership in the gospel. Um, now, the word gospel it simply means good news. And when you read it in the Bible, I'm sure you're very familiar with this as a church. It's the good news of Jesus. It's that Jesus died for our sins, that we could be reconciled to God and forgiven. It's that Jesus has been risen from the dead. That we actually have hope of a resurrection, a new life with God now. And that Jesus is the Christ. He is the king who has power over our enemies of sin, Satan, and death and invites us into his eternal kingdom. I think it's the translation we have, gospel is good news, but isn't it just too small sometimes? This is amazing news. This is the best news you could possibly hear. It's news that changes our eternity, but also transforms our life today. Can I say, whenever I come to a church, I never want to assume that everyone's been around here for a while. If you're actually new to this Jesus stuff, just trying to work out what it's all about, who he is, and what that might mean for your life, can I say the gospel is the thing you want to ponder? Who Jesus is and what he has done in his life, death, and resurrection. And can I encourage you actually to keep reading this book of Philippians? Because in chapter 2 and 3, you get some of the clearest descriptions of who Jesus is, of what he's like and what he's done, and how that impacts our life today. I suspect, though, for most here, this is the ABC of our faith, isn't it? This is our bread and butter. And I know this, because I went to your website, and I checked your mission and beliefs, and I kept reading gospel. It just kept coming up on your website. When you talk about your community, you mention the gospel. When you talk about your identity, you mention the gospel. When you talk about the mission, you mention the gospel. And you rightly share that the gospel changes everything. The gospel is so important. And the reason Paul thanks this church is that they've partnered in the work of proclaiming this life-changing news. This is what leads to his joy and overflows in thanksgiving. Now, uh, as Luke mentioned, I went to college with him and we uh, went through the trials of Greek in first year together. They were dark, hard, long days. My head has still not recovered, I think, from the fogginess that we went through there. Um, but the one thing I do want to share is the word for partnership in the original language comes from a word called koinia. Um, it's a really uh, helpful word to see the bigger picture of it too in English because it gets translated in lots of different ways in our Bible. Um, elsewhere, this word is translated as contribution, sharing, participation, and even fellowship. So if you've ever used the language of fellowship before, this is the word. This is where it comes from. It's this idea of partnership. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a church, whenever I heard fellowship used, it was purely referring to that 30-minute slot after church where you have a cup of tea, you grab a bicky. I'm seeing a few nods. That's not the biblical idea of the word. It's so much deeper than that. As a biblical scholar called Don Carson, he writes, the heart of true fellowship is self-sacrificing conformity to a shared vision. A self-sacrificing conformity to a shared vision. And the vision that we have in Philippians 1 is that of the gospel and seeing the gospel go forward in this world. So as you think about partnership in the gospel, it's great to have these other words in mind. It's about sharing. It's about contributing. It's about being involved. And I love how that highlights an active and meaningful role we play in gospel partnership. I don't know the language that your church uses in terms of supporting cross-cultural workers or people on the mission field, but can I encourage you to use these words of partnership, participation, contribution, instead of words like just donation, 
or supporting because um, they're words that convey the biblical idea, I think, much better and show a really active and meaningful contribution that we play in gospel work when we support those on different mission fields. Paul says in verse 5 that this church has been partnering with him long-term too. We see from the first day until now. I suspect this means it's the day they became believers until the day Paul penned this letter. And the thing that's so wonderful about the book of Philippians is it tangibly shows us what gospel partnership looks like. In chapter 1, later in this chapter, we see that this church has been praying for Paul and their prayers have really mattered. God has been working to deliver Paul through their prayers. On campus, actually, um, just a few months back, I spoke to our international student worker, Mark, and I asked him at the end of last semester, what's your big prayer at the moment for you know, the ministry that you're doing on campus? And he shared with me that um, you know, we've had a lot of non-believing students from India come in. And you know, he can learn lots about the culture, but he's an outsider to that culture. I would really love there to be a mature Indian student join our group next semester. And that was his big prayer. And we've been praying, and other people have been praying for this mature Indian Christian. And we don't usually have really specific prayers like that in terms of naming cultures and whatnot, but we did in this case. And a few weeks later, I got an email from a student from India who was coming to Australia. He'd become a believer when he was on campus in India, and he was just so excited to join a university group and join in our mission. And any student who sends me an email, they're mature. Students don't send emails these days. They're on social media. So I knew this is the guy. This is the answer to prayer. Praise God. But God works, and gospel partnership involves prayer. And we know God delights to answer the prayers of his people, not always in ways we expect, not always as directly as that, but we know God works through the prayers of his people. And the second thing we see in the book of Philippians is that gospel partnership involves people. If you read chapter 2, there's a fellow called Epaphroditus. What a name if you've got children on the way. Consider that one. Uh, But Epaphroditus was from this church, and he went to work alongside Paul in the cause of the gospel. He almost died for the sake of the gospel, actually. Um, Paul, in chapter 2, also shares how he wants to send Timothy to this church because Timothy cares deeply about them and serves for the sake of Jesus so this church might be strengthened. I actually love how City Reach Marion has a bit of a history of this type of partnership with Flinders ES. A few years back, I know um, Lawson spent a bit of time on campus just serving and being involved a day a week. Um, And then Tom, uh, he had a, a semester or a year on campus with us. So I just think that's so wonderful how gospel partnership involves people. And this is one of the churches that has really expressed that well with us. So thank you. Chapter 4-2, we see that Paul is not shy about talking about money, though it be a taboo today. Paul mentions that this church was the only one who shared with him in his early days of his ministry in matters of giving and receiving. And he means money. That's what he's talking about. And he says in chapter 4, actually, he's really thankful for their financial gift. But he says, it's not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more would be credited to your account. Paul desires that this church would use all of that, what they have, their resources, their time, their energy, and their money for the sake of the gospel. And I think the reason he says this is he knows that on the day of Christ, which he mentions twice in these verses, the thing that will matter most for everybody is the gospel. The day of Jesus' return, the question will be asked, have you responded to the news of who Jesus is and what he has done and received his free gift of forgiveness and new life. And having that day in mind, the day of Christ, and all that comes with that in the new creation, is so important for gospel partnership 
Because gospel partnership is costly. It costs you time. It costs you energy. It will involve suffering. It might even cost you money. Gospel partnership is costly. And that's the heart of true fellowship, isn't it? Self-sacrificial conformity to this greater vision. Can I say, though, that though gospel partnership is costly, did you see the amount of joy and thanksgiving it brought in this chapter? And as I've pondered, why does gospel partnership lead to joy and thanksgiving and just have such overflowing language there? I think the reason behind it is when God's people work together for the sake of the gospel, they contribute to the thing that's most dear to their heart. Because we want to see people know Jesus, love him, and join us in worshipping him. God's people have compassion on the lost because we know we once were without hope. God's people care about the honour and glory of Jesus. We just want to see more people on that final day around the throne worshipping him. So as God's people contribute to that work, I think it brings such joy and thanksgiving because it's the thing that we value most deeply. Sure, there's competing desires and other things that we do value, but when we get down to the core, the gospel is what matters. We mentioned this a bit, but as ES staff, we're really familiar with gospel partnership. We only serve on campus because God's people partner with us. Um, and can I say, one of the things that really astounds me about gospel partnership is the people who pray and give and encourage us, they often thank us. They thank us for the privilege of giving and being involved in what God is doing at university. And it feels the wrong way around, doesn't it? Shouldn't we be thanking them for contributing? And we do thank them, but they just delight to be involved in the thing that is most dear to their heart. In verse 6, though, we see that Paul reminds this church that this is all only made possible by God. God is the one who's begun his good work in us, and God is the one who will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus' return. And this is a great verse. I think many of us take great um, assurance for our faith and our perseverance in Christ uh, but in the context, it's gospel partnership. So I think it's worth recognizing that gospel partnership is enabled by God and sustained by him as well. And verses 7 and 8, we see that gospel partnership involves deep affection. Did you notice how gooey and gushy Paul got in his language? It's not the Paul I think we often have in mind. In verse 7, he says to the church, It's right for me to feel this way about you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Such strong emotive language from the Apostle Paul. So surprising. Can you imagine though, actually receiving this letter if you were sitting in that church in Philippi? You know, the superstar Paul. I know he says he's a servant of Christ, but he is Paul. He says, all of you share in God's grace with me. He says, I have you in my heart, and yet I testify how I long for you with the affection of Christ. All that's to say is when we partner with people in the gospel, it's not just about the project and seeing results and fruit. It leads to deep intimacy and relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ. And the thing that's so remarkable about this is Paul has barely visited this church. He's not preaching every week at the church in Philippi. You know, he didn't have FaceTime or Zoom to stay in touch. Um, but the thing that they share in that's most core to who they are is the same. And they've been praying for one another in this work. 
few years ago, um, I went to Adelaide Men's Convention. Is that something your church is familiar with? Grace Conference, Adelaide's Men's Convention. It's a convention that happens in Adelaide. About 500 men from different churches meet together. Um, and a church from my group uh, went along, and the passage that was preached was actually Philippians 1. And um, during the middle of the sermon, I looked across, and one of the older guys in my church, who was in his 60s, he was breaking down in tears. And I've got to say, as a bloke, the one place I don't want to be caught crying is in front of 500 other men in the room. Um, but something was happening in his heart and life that way, and a few weeks later, I caught up with him, and he shared uh, why he broke down in tears. Uh, this older man, he actually became a believer at university, um, and whilst he was at university, he had a real heart for the nations and seeing the gospel go out to the nations. Uh, but he finished his degree, he started working his profession as a grad and had a young family, so providing for them, focusing there. Uh, became a, he actually became a business owner over time and it was just his whole life actually spent in Adelaide and he never went to the nations. And he always just had this niggle, did I do the wrong thing? Should I have gone? I've always had a heart for seeing the gospel go out. Think about this fella though, he has been so involved in gospel work to the nations. He's been so generous. Two of his kids actually went overseas as missionaries. So um, it's been amazing to see how God has used him, even though he's been in Adelaide. But when he heard this idea of gospel partnership, not as just supporting others to do the work or donating to a cause, but contributing, participation, active partnership and sharing in the work, it broke him down. Because the thing that he cared about most deeply, he realized he wasn't a second-tier player in that work. He was just as involved. Gospel partnership is a really beautiful, joy-giving thing. Supporting frontline workers isn't a second-tier work, but it's contributing and sharing in the work itself, and it will matter on the day of Christ. At this point, I just want to pause and ask a few questions just to draw some implications from this passage for us today. And can I really encourage you, go away this week and ponder these questions. Um, the first one I actually want to ask is, for each of us as individuals, is to consider who are we partnering with in the gospel? The first place actually should come to mind is your local church. You're actually working together here, so people in Marion and beyond would come to know of Jesus. Um, but like the Philippian church partners with Paul, who are those outside of your church? who you are working together with for the sake of the gospel. I think it's just really helpful to have clarity on that. Who are the people that we're actively working together with? Um, the second thing I want to ask you is, do you view your work, your prayer, your encouragement, your financial giving as just support? Or is it participation? Are you involved in this work and contributing and sharing? Because that's the way Philippians 1 speaks of what you're doing. third thing I want to invite you to do is to think about how this month or maybe in August, because the month's about to end, how can you express your love and affection for those that you partner in the gospel with? I love how Paul gives us this example of writing a letter just to let them know how he feels about this church and how he thanks God for them. Um, but how can you thank those or just encourage those that you partner in the gospel with? Just let them know how grateful you are that you're working together for the sake of Jesus. I love how Philippians 1 talks about gospel partnership. We see the joy, the affection, and the thanksgiving that comes, and how it's all by God's grace. This isn't something that we do in our own strength for God, but it's something he graciously enables and invites us to participate with. 
To finish today, we see what Paul prays for this church. And can I encourage you, as you think about those you partner with in the gospel, this is a great prayer to pray for them. He says in verse 9, This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul prays that this church would abound in knowledge and depth of insight in their love. And the reason he does this is not just they'd be lovey-dovey people or known for their love, but their love would matter. He prays that they might be able to discern what is best and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Now, as you heard this prayer, I wonder how it made you feel. I think it's a wonderful prayer. I think it's so good that we would live lives that are pure and blameless as I look at my life, oh boy, is it far from that? There's <laughs> a bit of a gap from the aspiration and where I'm at. And I, in all honesty, I know this side of Jesus' return of that day of Christ. I'm not going to enter that pure and blameless status. But did you notice what Paul prays straight after? That they would be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. The only thing that enables us to be pure and blameless on the day is the gospel itself. So that Jesus has not only died for our sins, but he's given us his righteousness. And that when we stand before God on that day, we've got great confidence we will be declared righteous in his sight, holy. This doesn't just give us great future hope. It gives us assurance now, and it transforms our lives today. As we long to see the fruit of that righteousness be more and more of a reality in our lives and in our hearts. And this is why we're excited about the gospel, isn't it? Great future hope, deep transformation now, day by day, more and more. But it's not just about the future, it's about now as well. And we long for this ultimately because we care about the glory and praise of God. We care that our lives would be lived to that end. As you pray for those who you partner in the gospel with, as you pray for your church, pray for immediate needs. God delights to answer our prayers. We prayed for somebody from India that was mature, and God answered that. Uh, But may I encourage you to pray these deeper, bigger picture prayers as well, that you would pray with the day of Christ in mind, not just today in mind, that you would pray with the goal of God receiving the glory and the honor and the praise from our lives. And that the gospel would shape your prayers. That we would ask to see the fruit of the righteousness that we've been given in Jesus more of a reality in our lives. It's really easy in times of hardship and suffering and just when life is difficult to look inward. Every day there's a news article about the cost of living crisis, about this other crisis, about this other crisis. And it can be really hard to have an outward focus when that's just the reality of the news feeds we receive. I think we've got a great example and word in the book of Philippians of a church in the midst of great suffering that still had an outward gospel focus beyond their context. And as they joined in this work of proclaiming the gospel, it just led to great joy, thankfulness to God, but most importantly, it was for God's glory and praise. Let me pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you for your word to us. We 
Thank you that you don't leave us in darkness stumbling around, but you do speak. And we pray today you would speak to us through your word, by your spirit. We just thank you for the reminder up front in the book of Philippians of the grace and the peace that we have received in the gift of your son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that the gospel is the means of our salvation, but it's also something that you have entrusted us with and gives us great purpose in life now. And we just thank you for the great honor and joy and grace it is from you that we get to participate in this work as we await the day of Christ. Father, we just ask that uh, Jesus would more and more um, be the one we find our hope and joy in, uh, that more and more uh, that fruit of his righteousness would be a reality in our lives. And we just pray, Father, that you would strengthen us for the work that you've given us to do by your spirit, um, and that over the coming months, days, weeks, years, uh, that this gospel partnership that we see in your word uh, would be something that we would participate and be involved in. And we just thank you for your grace to us in that, Lord. Amen. And the band has magically